Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today was day 27 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings. They were coming from Truro today from a hotel there and featured testimony from uh, Staff Sergeant Al Carroll, who was the district commander for Colchester County uh, during the events of the Mass Casualty. And he testified uh, for four and a half hours today and uh, that's relevant because Staff Sergeant Carroll along with Staff Sergeants O'Brien and Rayhill and actually three others that we don't uh, we don't know who they were had requested through the National Police Federation and the Department of Justice accommodations for their testimony. Staff Sergeant Carroll had requested that he only be questioned by video and only be questioned by the uh, commission lawyers that wasn't entirely granted. There was some cross-examination today uh, from the lawyers that remained. Some were not present due to uh, a boycott, which I'll come back to as well. But uh, Staff Sergeant Carroll uh, was able to be cross-examined. He had also requested, or the commission had granted his request for as many breaks as he wished. Now, uh, they don't talk about the exact nature of his trauma or any treatment or any anything he's undergoing uh, in providing their decision on accommodations for medical privacy reasons. But it was noteworthy. I noticed this at lunchtime that uh, we'd gone three and a half hours with just a regular morning 15-minute break. And then in the afternoon, it was just over another hour of testimony from Staff Sergeant Rahill, or sorry, Staff Sergeant um, Carroll. And at no time did he ask for a break. And it certainly didn't seem obvious from watching his testimony that he was in any distress, was experiencing any discomfort or certainly no trauma in giving his answers. So this sort of harkens back to the earlier requests from the National Police Federation for none of the frontline officers who had, who had actually directly interacted with scenes of violence and witnessed uh, some terrible things over the course of those 13 hours. The request was made earlier on in the proceedings that they wouldn't have to testify. That was rejected. And then we saw some of them testify and, you know, cover some difficult ground, but without um, significant difficulties from my observations and the observations of others. And the same thing happened today with uh, Staff Sergeant Carroll. He was able to testify, he was able to give answers, uh, recollect uh, things, I, I think, as well as, uh, as well as he would have under any other circumstances. So, it seemed like the request um, wasn't needed. And it was certainly clear from watching him testify that uh, he probably didn't need those accommodation requests. So, I think it really undermines the credibility further of the National Police Federation. I think it undermines the credibility of the commission for having granted the accommodations. This is uh, one of the early lessons I learned as an articling clerk. I, I clerked with, uh, well, it was Cox Hansen at the time, Cox Palmer now. And I was going to a discovery with one of the partners, uh, Sandra Arab Clark. And there was uh, the, they were doing insurance side uh, work on an injury case. So the, the victim, the injured person, was describing a back injury, a very serious back injury that they had suffered. And we get to the end of the day, it was five o'clock after a long day of questioning, and uh, Sandra mentioned to me, she's like, you know, they 
They didn't ask for any breaks. They seemed fine in the seat. They weren't uncomfortable, all those things. So these things get noticed. Uh, so when, so from that time on, you know, when I was doing uh, plaintiff side work, I would always tell my clients, listen, if you're, you have a sore back, if you have a sore neck, if you're experiencing pain, don't try to tough it out to try to impress somebody. If you're feeling discomfort and you need to get up and walk around for a little bit, say so, ask for a break. Uh, so that was something I noticed that Staff Sergeant Carroll didn't ask for any breaks, didn't seem exhausted or, or anything. Actually, he's, I thought his affect was very flat. He was uh, very low energy. Uh, also, another thing was that he was asked whether he had read any of his statements, any of the reports, had gone through any of the police dispatch, uh, radio um, communications, transcripts. And no, he hadn't. He hadn't looked at anything since the time. Uh, there was a few people he was asked about whether he'd spoke to. He hasn't spoken to them. But the question was never asked, well, is that because you can't, because of your trauma? Uh, the question certainly could have been asked. And we wouldn't have had to get into any detailed medical information in order for Staff Sergeant Carroll to answer that question. But it wasn't asked. So is it just... Was he just not curious about it? Uh, he seemed very incurious as he was uh, answering, this question, answering the questions today and recounting what took place. Uh, lots of things he couldn't remember and, uh, and such. So that was, uh, that was interesting. You know, we're, we have this boycott and these protests today uh, in Truro where the uh, hearings were being held, or the proceedings, sorry, were being held. It was a nice warm day here in Nova Scotia, so not a bad day to be outside. Uh, good for them. Um, completely le legitimate and even more legitimate after watching Staff Sergeant Carroll uh, today in his testimony. So we'll see. Um, don't know if any of the uh, lawyers or federal government uh, people are watching these videos. So we'll, we'll see if all of a sudden uh, witnesses start asking for more breaks. Uh, they may, may be catching on that they should just for image sake, if nothing else. So uh, the other thing I was thinking about yesterday from Staff Sergeant Breyer's testimony was, you know, he broke down a couple of times uh, when he was thinking about uh, Heidi Stevenson and the issue of uh, issuing a public uh, warning. And then the other issue of the push bar, which he didn't notice. And there was, you know, a fire hose of information that he was trying to, anyway, that was all. He didn't notice it, but it's still, you know, May or may not have been unreasonable for him to not notice it, but he certainly felt guilty about it and expressed that. And I think that exercise of expressing that guilt and talking about his feelings was probably good for him. I know in the Desmond Inquiry, we saw some witnesses that, you know, experienced trauma uh, first or second hand, and to get up on the stand and talk about it seemed to be... Um, bring some sort of relief or catharsis or something, and uh, we're... You know, I think the commissioners have a real uh, misguided sense of trauma and of just human nature. Uh, why not let people speak about these things? And of course, people are compelled to testify all the time about difficult uh, subjects and difficult things that took place within their own lives. So why should these officers be any different, uh, particularly because none of them were uh, witnesses to any um, direct violence or direct witnesses to any violence or even uh, violent scenes. So uh, lots of questions about that. And I think we'll hear more about that over the 
next few days. Uh, certainly lots of uh, media reports about the family's protests. And like I say, I think they're all very reasonable in their stances. This is, you know, supposed to be an inquiry where difficult questions get asked, not a review where we just sort of take things at face value and read the documents. So, like I said, uh, Staff Sergeant Carroll was about to retire. He was only a month away and that became relevant. He was asked about the mapping that they were using. We saw before with other witnesses how rudimentary, with Staff Sergeant West, how rudimentary some of these things were. Yes, you have marker and pen and paper, it all works. But they also have pictometry, which would have shown uh, this Blueberry Road access uh, potential. Now, they didn't uh, they couldn't access it. Uh, Staff Sergeant McCallum, Staff Sergeant uh, Carroll, together in the um, Bible Hill uh, Center, couldn't access pictometry. They weren't uh, able to do so. And so they were left with inferior maps to uh, with which to work. So that was a problem. Uh, pretty rudimentary maps, no indication of the Blueberry Road. Another thing that came up, I think, is the, uh, the sort of hierarchical uh, structure and how that can be an issue. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, we hear the question of the public warning and, you know, there was a discussion of uh, Staff Sergeant Carroll talking to Staff Sergeant Halliday, who would then pass it on the line and on the line. Well, it's a really inefficient way to think of things, you know, and to structure information and try to get that information to flow through. And, of course, we know that the warning wasn't issued. Now, in her follow-up questions, Commissioner Fitch asked, well, in a, you know, in a regular critical situation, uh, it would be whoever's in charge that would talk about public issuing of, uh, issuing of public warnings, and wouldn't it have made sense that Staff Sergeant West would be doing that here, and why, Staff Sergeant Carroll, wouldn't you have gone directly there? Well, you know, it seemed like there were all of these filters and layers where you just couldn't break through and get the right information to the right person. And in fact, there was information from lower levels, uh, the constables that wasn't getting even as far up as uh, Staff Sergeant Carroll. For example, he didn't know until 3.30 in the morning about Andrew McDonald's statement of, hey, it's my neighbor, Gabe. He's in a fully marked vehicle. He's wearing a police uniform, all those things. Uh, that information wasn't conveyed until, uh, you know, hours after it may have been useful. So those are all questions. The other thing is, coming back to the uh, discussion with Staff Sergeant Halliday about the public warning, which, of course, is a key point. Staff Sergeant Halliday, in his testimony, said that, you know, that he, he disputed that the, the characterization of that discussion. It wasn't, you know, this brain... In Staff Sergeant Halliday's testimony, this brainstorming session with him and Staff Sergeant Carroll and others that, uh, you know, talked about it. It wasn't that at all. So so what are we left with? This sort of dispute just sort of lingering. If we had more effective cross-examination, the lawyers would dig into that a little more and get some clarity on who actually said what and what we, what were the various players in that discussion thinking at the time. Now we don't have that. The other thing, uh, so Staff Sergeant Carroll uh, was asked, uh, you know, what you know, thoughts or recommendations, regrets, anything like that he has. He says, because uh, he he was the one that was talking to Constables Brown and Melanson about the Onslow Belmont Fire Hall, but he didn't know it was at the fire hall the, 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 where the shooting took place. He just, you know, everybody was sort of all hands on deck. 
keep going, go after the killer. Uh, we'll talk, we'll worry about that later. Staff Sergeant Carroll says he wished he had known it was the fire hall, and if he had, he would have gone to the fire hall himself and um, explained or talked to people that were there and at least let them know what had taken place and tried to uh, deal with that situation a little better. So that was interesting. Um, and the pictometry, uh, I think he would have uh, preferred to have better maps, uh, although didn't seem too interested in uh, new technology or anything of that nature. Uh, communications channels, uh, he wished that was uh, better done, but didn't have any particular suggestions as to how that might be better done. So that's where we're left with uh, today. Uh, one witness, Staff Sergeant Carroll, who received accommodations, didn't seem to have required any accommodations. Uh, so that's generating uh, some upset feelings and, and some protest activity. It'd be interesting now. So next week, uh, Monday the 30th and Tuesday the 31st, it's not quite clear what's going to happen. Uh, the other two staff sergeants, O'Brien and Rahill, have received the accommodation of being able to record their interviews. I'm not even going to call it testimony because it's, oh well, I'm, I'm sure they'll be sworn in, but... Uh, they're just being interviewed by a commission lawyer. There's no cross-examination. Questions that the participants wish to have asked are going to have to be sent in to uh, the commission lawyers, and then they'll decide, I guess, whether to ask them. So we'll see how that goes. And it's not clear from the commission material exactly when those are going to be posted or played or how exactly that's going to work. So uh, that... Uh, an unusual, uh, it's an unusual situation to be facing, that's for sure, uh, and completely unnecessary given the circumstances as far as I can see. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that all unfolds uh, early next week. We'll be watching uh, to see over the weekend if there's any further communications from the families as to what their intentions might be. They, the main family group has announced a four-day, at least four-day, boycott. I suspect if nothing comes from the commissioners that that boycott may be extended. It may only be in place for witnesses for whom accommodations are being made. So that could be a, could be sort of a, you know, intermittent boycott, if I could put it that way. Some days they're there, some days they're not. Or they'll be looking to put pressure on the, uh, you know, the, the politicians, the provincial and federal uh, leaders to make some changes to the terms of reference for the, uh, for the commission to, uh, you know, adjust the trauma-informed nature of the mandate or clarify what that is supposed to mean in terms of actually f getting to a fact-finding, getting through a fact-finding process. So... Those are all things I'll be watching over the next few days. We'll uh, see what happens uh, Monday, if anything, uh, is uh, done publicly. And until then, uh, thanks again for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share these with a friend, all those good things. And we will see you next time.